You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So this morning, we're going to be continuing our sermon series um, that we're calling Getting Into Shape. And our key verse is that is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it says this, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Just like a gym has equipment in it to help us train and to get into shape, the same way it is for our spiritual training, spiritual disciplines are like that. They help us to get spiritually fit and into godliness. And so today... Here's the really interesting thing. Um, I'm not sure how long this 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 uh, sermon is going to take today, because the topic is on silence and solitude, and I think there's a lot we can learn from that. Amen. Let's go home. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you that I was watching you. you uh, there were some of you that um, you were trying to play it off as calm, but you were a little nervous. You were a little nervous that that was really all there was. Some of you were nervous with the silence, and some of you were nervous that your pastor had um, was going to be checking into a senior facility soon. He had lost sight of where he was. Listen, here's one of the things is we don't preach on silence and solitude a lot within the church. Not just Grace Covenant. We don't teach on it a lot within the church. And part of that is because people do get a little nervous with that because it's it's a little challenging. Um, it it presses us a little bit, especially in our present culture. See, silence is, is just a, one of those things that especially as Americans, we're not really good at. Solitude, we don't really like to be alone as a part of people. You know, one of the, one of the, the uh, areas where we lose in our negotiations with other countries and stuff like that, especially with the Far East, is with silence. Um, did you know that there's a, there's a negotiating technique called silence? And the theory behind that is the first person to speak loses. How many of you used to play the silent game when you were kids? How many of you wish your kids would play that today? <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen in there somewhere. Why? It's hard, right? It's hard to stay silent for a long period of time. Here in the U.S., we're accustomed. We're accustomed to constant feedback. We're accustomed to so much. So we think as a culture that we're supposed to share everything. We're supposed to share our thoughts. We're supposed to share our opinions. We're supposed to share our feedback. We're supposed to share our customer dissatisfaction or our fresh ideas. Or we're supposed to put our little ideas in a box because you need that. But now we can do it digitally. We think that we're supposed to speak and share and communicate and tell all the time. And because... Everybody's trying to do that. Some, let me say, I, I have a certain family gathering that I go to. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's my family. It's not Susan's family. I won't blame hers this time. It is my family. But when we get together, they all talk at the same time. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm like, can we not just try some silence for a moment? But they just talk all the time. We're constantly talking. We, we don't uh, pause. And because we're constantly that way, like it's everything is going at all times, all the, with nonstop. It's interesting. Doctors say that as Americans that we're overstimulated and we wonder why. We wonder why we're overstimulated as a group. I actually have two friends in the last six months, separately, they've both been told that their adrenal glands are shot because they're constantly having to deal with information, communication. There's, there's no break. There's not, there's not a downtime or a down cycle for them. They're constantly on the go because there's so much going on, because there's so much to communicate. And there's never just a time when they're just still and silent. It's a problem. It's a problem for us as Americans, but the reality is, is it's a discipline that we don't practice a lot within the church, but we need to. So let me define some terms for you this morning. The first one is this, is silence. Silence is the spiritual discipline of voluntarily and temporarily refraining from speaking so that certain spiritual goals, right, spiritual goals might be sought. The second term is solitude. Solitude is the spiritual discipline of voluntarily and temporarily withdrawing, getting away to privacy, again, for spiritual purposes. And so this morning, we want to look at these two disciplines that we, the church, don't practice a lot, um, we don't talk about a lot, and we want to see uh, what the Word has to say about them. So the first is this, is let's look at silence. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 says this, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you wouldn't have any of it. Interesting. I'm like, Isaiah, are you talking to the Americans of today? So why do you think that we have to talk so much? Why do you think that we have to communicate so much? A gentleman named Eberhard Arnold says this. He made an observation from what, some things that he was seeing, and he said this, people who love one another can be silent together. It's interesting to me is I'm not sure that we really love each other all the time. And I'm not sure that we are sure that others love us in the process. Based on that idea... The idea, when we're together with other people, we're oftentimes less secure about what they think. How many of you have experienced a time in your life where you walked into a room and you weren't sure what everybody in the room thought of you? Yes? How many of you, like, that's still true of gatherings when you're in a room with friends? You still aren't sure. It's true. And so what do we do? We use words, not silence. We use words to adjust our appearance, to strengthen our, ourselves in the room, our position, our, our likability, all those things. We use words rather than silence. To look right, we think we have to do the talking. We think we have to carry the conversation and it's not just with others. We do it in prayer. 
I would tell you that most people think that they have to pray when they pray. Did you know that you can be silent when you pray? That you don't have to say the words, you don't have to do the prayer? It's true, but we think that we have to carry it. It's as if it's up to us. And so in that process, we're shaping opinions. We're shaping God's opinion of us. God, I'm spiritual because I'm praying. I've got things to say. And by the way, hey, and I'm done. Amen. Let's go. Right? We're shaping opinions. We're shaping thoughts. We're shaping topics. When we're not confident of the outcomes or what could happen, we think we have to, to take control over that. When things don't go our way or... Those around us didn't do it, and it didn't. The outcome didn't come the way we thought it would. We feel like we have to. Well, let's let's go back and let's fix them. Let's teach them a little lesson. They need to know a little lesson from this. And so we again shape by what? By words, by communication. We're so uncomfortable with just allowing things to be. It's not just though about that. It's about how we appear. See, to be silent, we are resigning ourselves. We are resigning how we appear. And at the end, the results are on someone else. Spiritually, to be silent on some things, we are resigning ourselves that the end results are up to the Lord. See, silence exhibits an inner quiet, an inner confidence. And we can build on this. We can do this through practicing not speaking. So let's look at solitude for just a minute before we get into our points this morning. In Mark 1, verse 35, it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. We see that Jesus was constantly, if you go through the Gospels, Jesus all the time finding places of solitude. It was his place of spiritual strength because he knew that a life apart from God, deprived from that support structure, would collapse. But that a life in tune with the Lord, nurtured by time spent with God, develops and strengthens, restores. Dallas Willard says this. He proposed the idea that all great works that we see in the Bible and all great works in life are prepared by what he calls time in the desert, a time of solitude. We see this with Jesus. Jesus is baptized, and he does what? He goes straight off 40 days in the desert with who? No one, solitude, alone, being what? Preparing for ministry. We see it in the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul, after the um, road to Damascus experience after he gets li- his eyes sight restored. There's a time period where he goes off to a desert place into a solitude and he gets alone with the Lord and he is prepared for ministry. In fact, there's an experience that happens to him while he's there that is that's only spoken about one place in Scripture and Paul even doesn't even come out and say it like straight up. He kind of cryptically talks about it but he had an experience in his preparation that he didn't talk about for almost 14 years and when he did he finally said this he said i know a man he wasn't saying himself he said i know a man in christ was caught up to the third heaven whether in the body or out of the out of the body i do not know only god knows he didn't say i know a man and he didn't and that man didn't know if he was in or out of his body 
He said, I know a man, and I didn't know whether I was in or out of my body. See, he's telling you that he had an experience with the Lord in the midst of that solitude that changed him. We see solitude as preparation for God's use and great, great things. We see it in Moses. Moses was prepared, where? In the desert for 40 years with solitude. We see it in David. Where was David, David prepared? David wasn't prepared for Goliath in the tents of Saul. David was prepared for Goliath in the fields alone with the sheep in solitude. We see it throughout scripture. We see that Joshua, Joshua began his preparation to become a a leader one day, not even at the top of the mountain with Moses, nor down in the bottom in the base camp with the people. Joshua was, when Moses was with the Lord, Joshua was halfway up the mountain. Where? In solitude. Beginning. We see it in Elijah. Elijah prepared with solitude. Jacob, Jacob prepared with solitude. But there's a challenge. There's a challenge of silence and solitude. The noise of the world. We live in a noisy place that's constantly clamoring for our attention. We live pressure-packed schedules. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just as bad as anybody in this room. If I don't have my cell phone and my calendar, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble because I have to follow that thing because I have so many different things that I pack that schedule up with. There's my schedule. There's Susan's schedule. There's our, our schedule of the things that we do together and we enjoy. And then there's, there's other things that we pack on there. But we live as... As people, we just live these packed schedules and it challenges our ability to find time away and to find time to be quiet. And then there's this, maybe it's not for you, but it is for me. At times I feel like I have an addiction to activity. It's like I need to be doing something. Some of us feel that way. We think that way. We even say it sometimes. It's a, I need to be doing. What should I be doing right now? I should be, we get up. What are you going to do today? It's all about activity. We're, why? Because it's like we, we, get our, we can check the boxes, right? That we did something today. There's activity and addiction to it. And then there's the distraction. The distraction of technology. All of these things keep us from finding the ability to find solitude, time away, and silence, time where we can quiet our minds, quiet our thoughts, quiet ourselves. Two years ago, so when you serve at Grace Covenant, every three years as a pastor, you get a three-week sabbatical. They want us to go away. They want us to get alone. They want us to spend some time with our family, but they also want us to just spend time recharging and being away. And so two years ago, I was on uh, my most recent sabbatical, and um, I spent three days, three days on Lake James near Morganton. A friend of mine has a cabin up there, and I spent three days there. And the first day, I decided I was going to do not just solitude and being away by myself, but I was going to do silence and solitude together. The toughest 24 hours of my life. 
I decided that I wasn't going to speak. I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to hum. I wasn't going to sing. I wasn't going to read anything. I wasn't going to check my voicemail, my email, my text, my Instagram, my Snapchat. I wasn't going to pull out even my Bible and read it. I was just going to be for 24 hours. I was going to do silence and solitude. It took me six hours just to silence my own screaming thoughts because I was so unpracticed at silence and solitude. I couldn't silence my own thoughts. Every time I would sit down, there would be another thought and I would try to get focused back and it would be more thoughts. And it, finally I got to where I just started, I, I just started writing them down so that I wouldn't keep thinking of them. It's like, I'll just I'll write it down, they're done. It was the only way that I could silence my own thoughts and enjoy the solitude of that. But I did finally find it. And I realized that I was there when I, about six hours into it, um, I realized that I had lost my own thoughts. I haven't lost my own thoughts in a long time. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you lost your own thoughts? I realized that the only thing going on around me was that there was lake water lapping up against the dock. And then I had this awareness that the creator of my soul was the one who was creating the ripples, who was lapping. And I had this moment where I realized I am in the presence of God. Not because it was this great and glorious kind of moment, but because the word says that he is omnipresent and he is always near. And that was all that I had. I realized that. But our schedules, our activities, our, our, our technology, our thoughts, all of these make it hard at times to find it. But if we attempt it, right, that's why it's a discipline. If we attempt it, we can get better at it. So I'm not saying that you should go home and just think that you're going to automatically be silent and have solitude and it's going to be awesome. First off, there's going to be some really good football games on today. I'm trying to get some amens in here. I knew I'd get one there. But here's the deal. Silence and solitude work together. I call them companion disciplines. They work together. Because the challenge is is that solitude um, is most effective in silence. And silence goes well beyond solitude. And without it, solitude has little effect. This morning, I want to talk to you just... We've got three points this morning. I want to talk to you about the benefit and the blessing of silence and solitude. So I've talked about the distractions. I've talked about how challenging it can be. And I've talked about some of the experiences. But this morning, I want you to know why. Because at the end of the day, you have to know the blessings. It's the blessings that make us willing to, to apply the effort, 
right, to practice a discipline. You and I don't go and, t- and start a diet because we just like the fact that we're going to eat food we don't like, right? We don't, we don't go to the gym, right, and start exercising and lifting weights and doing things just because we thought that the equipment looked cool. Right? We go for a reason. There's a why. And the why is we know that if we, if we do those things, what it begins to affect us. And so we're willing to suffer a little bit in the discipline right, of working out in the gym. We have to know why. What's the benefit if I'm going to apply a spiritual discipline? Because it's not going to be just easy right off the bat. That's why they call it a discipline. Right? We have to know the why. Because... The principle is the same, just as that working out at the gym and, and eating the food, changing the way we eat and the, our diets. No pain, no gain, right? The idea is there's a purpose, though. There's a gain we're looking for. And so that's the swearing. That's these, the blessings, the blessings of silence and solitude. The first one is this. We can better hear the voice of God. You and I, if we will practice silence and solitude, we will better hear the voice of God. How many of you, better this, how many things do you have, really quickly, just run it through your mind, how many things do you have in your life that ring? How many ding? How many things are in your life that buzz and vibrate? How many of them call out or notify you that someone else wants to know about you? When was the last time that you turned off all the noise? Really? The cell phone. All the notifications of the texts, the emails, the Instagrams, the Snapchats. When was the last time that you turned off the TV, the radio, the iPod, Pandora? When was the last time that you silenced all the alarms, all the toys? all the motors. When was the last time that you drowned out the cheers of all the crowds, the shouts of the Little League team, all the voices calling Mommy, Dad, Honey, when was the last time you really silenced them all? Even that wonderful music that gives you that calming atmosphere in your house. When was the last time you silenced it all? I can tell you this. As we eliminate the voices of the world, we can better hear the voice of God. As we quiet our souls, our spirit becomes more attuned to God's voice. You and I serve a God who is so powerful that the sound of his voice shook the foundations of Mount Sinai and put his entire people, 1.2 million plus people on their face. He is powerful. He is mighty. He can be loud. But I've never heard the Lord so loudly. as I heard him in silence. 
and solitude. His, Lord, his voice is so much louder to me in silence and solitude. It's interesting, though, that uh, Jesus did the same. Luke chapter 6 says this, in verse 12 and 13, it says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose the twelve of them, whom he also designated as apostles. I believe that the Lord went off to pray because he needed to hear. Jesus needed to hear the voice of the Father because he was about to pick 12 of these boys that had been with him for a little while and he needed to make sure he was picking the right 12. And so he went away to the silence of that so he could loudly and clearly hear the voice of his Father. The second benefit is this, is we regain a spiritual perspective when we practice silence and solitude. Have you ever felt, maybe have you recently felt, that the world is spinning all around you at a frenetic pace? I do. I feel that all the time. I really do. I feel like the pace of what is happening is nonstop and it's it's not even category five, it's, it's category six, and I don't even know what that would look like on a true hurricane speed, but I feel like that's the, the pace of what happens around me all the time. I have found that in solitude and in silence, it's like finding the eye of that hurricane, though, that there's this quiet place where there's just gentle breezes. How many of you have ever experienced the eye of a hurricane? Anybody? The eye of a hurricane is not the outer wall that's so destructive. It's not the part that's spinning so much. It's a little spot in the middle. I've actually experienced it. And when the eye moves, the eye's not the destructive part. It's the outer walls that are destructive. But in the middle of that, once that thing moves through, it's like there's just these gentle breezes blowing in the middle. There's, it's just all calm and gentle breezes and everything. If it wouldn't have already faced such torrential dis- destruction it would be a really peaceful kind of cool place to be but the problem is there's another wall coming from behind it right when he comes through again but in that moment everything kind of calms down i feel like that in silence and solitude it's like you're able to stay in the eye The, the hurricane can be spinning the hurricane of life can be spinning around you but in the middle of that it's quiet we talk about we need the calm How many of you have talked about needing better perspective? Sometimes we talk about we have, um, we can't see the forest for all the trees. We're at this place where we need this perspective. We even talk about that I need healthy perspective. That's a really big buzzword today. We not just need perspective, but we need healthy perspective. We put this in your notes and I think it applies. There's no better way to step back and get more balanced, less worldly perspective on matters than through the disciplines of silence and solitude. Once for me, actually it was, um, it would have been not this past sabbatical, but it would have been the one three years before that, so this would have been five years ago. I was talking to the Lord, 
and I knew the pace of what I was like I had spent it was close to the end of my three weeks like you'd kind of gotten to that place where everything was calm you got into where you sleeping in late was normal um, that I didn't have to worry about anything and I knew I was about to go back to work and I was talking to the Lord about the pace of what was swirling and what I was going back to and I remember he said to me, I have a place for you, a calm in the middle of all of that. And it's found in moments with me. And I found that to be true for the last five years, is that when the pace and the craziness of what's going on around me gets really, really wild, I can find the eye of that hurricane, that peaceful place, and I always seem to find it in a moment with him. I'm going to tell you, silence and solitude doesn't have to be a three-week sabbatical. doesn't even have to be a 24-hour period. You can find silence and solitude in an afternoon. You can find it in a couple of hours. But you have to find it. You have to find silence and solitude. We have to choose it. And that brings me to our third benefit, and that is this. With silence and solitude, we're spiritually and physically restored the demands and the pressures of life they drain us how many of you have ever said life just drains me come on be honest it does we all know it it does but the way we can recharge that and refuel ourselves is through silence and solitude it was jesus's method jesus one time said to his disciples in mark chapter 6 He said, hey, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So Jesus, son of God, Messiah, miracle worker, right? He can walk on water. He can feed 5,000 people at a time with nothing, right? He still needed time to rest and recharge. He got away. He got away from the crowds who wanted the miracles, the meals, and the ministry he recharged himself. At one point, he had to get up on a mountain and find, and, and it was, you wonder how, how tapped out he was. If Elijah and Moses had to come out of heaven down to the mountain and recharge him, how tapped out was he? Listen, you may find yourself at a place of being tapped out, but I'm going to tell you, the Savior understands how tapped out but he recharged himself he got away he recharged himself he did it after that he found out that john the baptist has died it said that he recharged himself he went away to a mountain he routinely did it we know that he was spent time in the garden not just on the night he was betrayed it was his routine it says that's the the gospels say that's how judas knew where to find him They knew where he would be. Why? Because it was his routine to find some silence and some solitude. He would recharge himself sometimes. I'm going to tell you, if Jesus lived here, I think he'd spend some time on Lake Norman. Jesus recharged himself at the lake more than once. He recharged himself in the belly of a boat more than once. Why? With silence and solitude. You and I can physically and spiritually recharge ourselves if we'll get away. 
and not the kind of getaway that's the family vacation to Disney World kind of thing. Those are the kind of vacations you need a vacation from when you're done, right? That's not silence and solitude. This is different, right? This is getting away, really like doing nothing, recharging. So how do we do it? How do we work this out? Three simple things. One, we have to choose. I'm going to repeat that word, choose. It's not even the underlined word. Choose to reduce the noise in your life. My question to you is this. What can you turn down, turn off, turn in, turn back, turn away just for a moment, just for an afternoon so that you can recharge, so that you can hear his voice more clearly? What is that thing that you would choose to silence if you could? That's a good question. I didn't even think of that one. What is the thing that you would silence if you could? Now go do it. Find a way. If you have to get away, if it's your spouse, do not do that. <laughs> Just send them to the grocery store. The second thing is we have to schedule silence and solitude into your life. Would you take a few minutes today? I'm going to repeat that. Today. Would you take a few minutes today to pull out your calendar and schedule something. Schedule some silence and solitude. Just do one. Try it. Make it a pilot program, right? Just make it an experiment. I'm going to schedule two hours this afternoon, a particular afternoon. I'm going to schedule half a day on this day for the afternoon. I'm going to schedule some time. Would you schedule some time for silence and solitude in your life? The third way to walk it out is this. Would you capture some moments? Capture moments of spiritual pauses. From time to time, what I try to do, even in the midst of a busy schedule and all the activities and all that kind of stuff, is I try to capture moments. So I have friends right now who ask me, Paul, why haven't you fixed the radio in your truck? See, my kids, my truck is, I've had my truck for 10 years, and it's the, ki- it's the car that uh, all my kids learn to drive in. Uh, it's saved their lives a couple of times for all the size that it has in the wrecks, literally. Um, we've not had any frame damage, but we've damaged everything else. And because of that, somewhere along the way, uh, they blew my speakers in my truck. I'm telling you a true story, man. This is, this, is, this is really being transparent. And someone has asked me more than once recently, Paul, why didn't you go ahead and fix that? Because I get a couple of times where I have, I have a 30-minute drive to Cornelius and I have a 50-minute drive to Concord that I make each week. And I have no radio. I have nothing to listen to. And I have no one to talk to. And I've, I've found that I'm making moments. Right? Not afternoons, but moments. Of silence and solitude. 
And as much as I would love to have a really good speaker system back in that truck, what I hear when I'm in that truck is way more valuable to me than the music. What do you need to silence? What do you need to schedule? What do you need to capture? Dallas Willard also says this. He wrote a book called The Spiritual Disciplines, and it's why I've quoted him a couple times. I recently read it as part of my master's program. But he said this, that silence and solitude are the most radical of the disciplines for a life lived in the spirit. Why? Because it is so opposite. It is so counter to who we are and how we live. It so goes against the grain of culture and even at times our own wills that it's radical. And when we do them, we actually confront ourselves. We confront our own internal conflicts and our own superficial securities. See, some of us feel secure with the noise. And because of the noise, it allows us to escape from placing our attention on things internal and sometimes things eternal. So again, this morning, our goal in what we've been talking to you about the last two weeks and for the next couple of weeks in the spiritual disciplines is not to do the things that we always talk about, the, you know, the reading of the word and fasting and stuff like that. But it's really to talk about how do we grow as individuals? What can we do to discipline ourselves to better hear from the Lord? Our goal is really this verse that we started with each week. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says to train ourselves to be godly because godliness has a value for all things this life and the life to come and so we're exercising our disciplines so that we can grow to experience his presence and experience godliness here and in the life that comes after this would you pray with me this morning Lord, I thank you for, God, this group of people that I get the present pleasure of doing life with here in Statesville. God, I thank you that you're constantly working uh, with us, helping us to be and become the people that you intended. And Lord, part of that it really comes down to this is that we have a role, we have a part, we have a part to play. We can discipline ourselves, Lord, not because we, we think it's fun, but because we know the results lead us closer to you. Because in the results, we, we see who you are. We experience you in new and fresh and profound ways, and we grow in the midst of that in our awareness of you, even your quiet presence one that we haven't been able to see or hear in weeks Lord I pray that you would help us Lord to find 
the ability to somehow begin to practice on even a small level or silence and solitude in our lives that you would continue to transform us into your image Lord and that that would not only impact our, our lives and our families but Lord our church and our community Lord, today I pray that you would speak to each of us. Lord, yes, we often want you to speak to us at the end of a sermon, and Lord, that we'll make some action or take some transformation. But Lord, I I actually wish that you would speak to every person in this room today. after they go out of here and they set aside a moment to quiet themselves and to hear you. Lord, I pray that that's when you speak to them. Lord, answer the question that they've been asking. Lord, show them the solution that they need. Lord, give them the strength, Lord, in that moment for the walk that they're walking. God, help them to know how to navigate the the challenges that lay before them. God, I pray that you would do all of those things. Lord, even as they set aside time with you. Lord, today as people go, as we go our way, I pray that you would bless us, that you would keep us, that you would pour out your favor on us, and that you would use us for your purposes and your glory. We pray these today in Christ's name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.